Hello, and welcome to Your Living Autopsy, a podcast dedicated to helping you dig in and unpack what's going on within so you can live your very best life. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, and welcome back to Your Living Autopsy. Last week, I bore my soul. I told you about the trauma I went through on my 19th birthday. I told you how the event colored my next decade of life. How I didn't tell my parents for five years. How I struggled with my self-worth. How I carried the shame and the assumption that it was all my fault and that I was damaged goods. It felt good to tell you about it. Not to say, woe is me. Not for you to rally around me and tell me I'm worthy because I know I am. It felt good because during all the time I suffered, all I wanted was someone to tell my story. And I did. Last week. I'd heard all these stories of very black and white sexual traumas, and mine just wasn't that. It was grayer than gray, and so I filled the blanks on my own. And I wasn't very kind to myself, was I? If you have a gray-ish story, one that doesn't feel like it fits the mold of other people's experiences, just know that you are not alone. And it shouldn't be a reason you don't tell someone or speak up about it. In fact, the more you open up and ask questions and ask for help, the more and the sooner you will see it for what it truly is, rather than what you cook up in your brain. And you will begin to be able to forgive yourself if that's what you need, or let it go and move forward without it feeling like an anchor. Okay, so our episode today is on toxicology, but first, let me explain. Toxicology, for our purposes, does not refer to drugs or alcohol that might be found in your system. Shocker, it means something else, right? (laughs) We talked about patterns having a root, whether it be an event, a pattern born from someone else's pattern, or a trauma, a crisis. And toxicology, well, our version, is another root I want to explore. It has to do with your family, your friends, your romantic relationships, even your workplace if you apply. In short, this involves your people again. And I know you're probably like, we already did this. Well, yes and no. We started it, but... We're going to keep digging in a little more. Just like some of the patterns that you didn't even know you had, toxicology isn't always obvious either. I would argue that a lot of times the word toxic is attributed to the most obviously bad things. The most loud, the most obnoxious, and the most bad for you things. In the world of food and drinks, chemicals are considered toxic. In our personal lives, it might be a mother who berates you while she's downing her fifth whiskey at night, or a partner who yells at you in front of your friends. Toxic? Yep. I would say, uh, yeah, let's work on that. (laughs) So if you could go ahead and list a few toxic relationships and or cultures you've either been in or are exposed to right now, let's start there and come back. All right, so obvious is great and all, and it's a lot easier to identify. But the most 
Dangerous, toxic relationships and cultures, in my opinion, are the ones that slowly progress and slowly get worse, almost at an imperceptible speed. And that is what we are going to focus on today. The toxic that may be hiding in plain sight. You listed what you already know or highly suspect to be toxic in your life, whether that be a culture or a person. Now close your eyes and ask yourself this question. Have you ever felt like something sort of off in a relationship you've had or in your family or within your culture at work, but you couldn't totally put your finger on it? It's not something you could just tell anyone because what would you even say? You don't know what it is. Yet. Usually when you feel this quote-unquote off feeling, you shrug it off, figuring you must be crazy. Or you say to yourself, I must be seeing it wrong, I must be too sensitive, because someone else would have said something by now, right? Or you're saying, what's the big deal? It or we've always been this way. I don't remember a time when it wasn't or we weren't, and I'm alive and well, aren't I? So I'm probably just overreacting. I'm projecting. Yeah, I must be. Do any of these ring a bell? Well, whatever that nudge is, whenever it happens, however many times it happens, let's assume today that you are not crazy and let's look into it just in case. The little nudges, the itty-bitty washes of discomfort without clear and indisputable evidence or explanation, well, they might be bigger than you think. And sometimes they come in different packages, different costumes. Like, sometimes you might get a stab of guilt or embarrassment out of seemingly nowhere. A wave of nausea, maybe even more like indigestion. Sometimes it's a headache or a migraine an anxiety attack, or feeling depressed. What do all these symptoms have in common? Well, they're all ways to get your attention. Now, if you did something and you feel guilty about it, yeah, that's where that's coming from. That's the cause, the effect. But when it's not something you're already aware of, when it's not crystal clear, it's probably a signal and probably one you need to listen to. You typically don't have depression or anxiety for absolutely no reason. I learned that I wasn't getting food poisoning on every vacation. (laughs) No, it wasn't food poisoning, said the gastroenterologist after five trips and five times that I threw up for at least 24 hours. That was stress manifested in my belly. It was my body's signal to say something was very wrong. Hello? On those trips, the company I was in was stressing me out to a degree I wasn't totally aware of. I knew it wasn't great, don't get me wrong. I knew I was drained, but according to my belly, it was way worse than I gave myself credit for. Now, I listen to my body a lot more. I say this to you to ask if you have any physical manifestations that you might need to look further into. Anything that's constantly happening in your body that you've just waved off before. 
All right, let's move on to the main event. Types of toxicology to look out for. I'm going to talk about family and then romantic and platonic relationships outside of your family. But please note that the details in one category can totally be applied to the others. For instance, say I suggest that passive aggression is something to look for in your romantic relationships, which I will. Well, you can also look for passive aggression in your family relationships too. Family. Dynamics at home, especially when you're young, shape you. You don't even have to be aware of it. It's happening. If it's communication, you're learning about, hooray, right? But since we are human beings who bring in all the baggage, like hurts, perspectives, prejudices, mental illnesses, fears, etc., the chances are good that every family has something to deal with. And I'm not talking about temporary stuff. You know, like I just actually had a bad day and it won't happen again, or I'm in a slump. Toxic is persistent. If it's toxic, it's happening constantly. It's not a one-off. So please remember the difference. What you learn at home around the people you are raised by or raised with sticks with you. And again, it sticks with you whether you're aware of it or not. So I say we look into it right now and get aware so we don't keep dragging it along into our own families or relationships down the road. I read a killer article on Healthline talking about ways family cultures can be toxic. I also happened to have a little pocketbook I found at the airport ages ago about dysfunctional families while I was researching for something else. What I'm about to read and talk about may or may not actually apply to your family. However, without the assumption that it doesn't apply, just listen to it. I'm not saying you or your family is wrong or bad. And even if some of this does resonate, it still doesn't mean they are wrong or bad. We all need the whole picture to know what we're working with so that if there is something we don't want to keep perpetuating, we have the option not to. Remember this whole process, all these steps, none of them are to point fingers, not me to you, not you to your loved ones. So just remember that. June Hunt writes the following in her little pocketbook, and I think it might be worth writing down. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly, so pause whenever you need. Dysfunctional family systems are characterized by eight dominant traits. Number one, chaos. Drama and confusion reign with emotions ruling decision-making. Reason and self-restraint take a back seat. Number two, control. Keeping members in compliance with family rules and ideology is critical. Maintaining and supporting hierarchy is essential to family preservation. Number three, denial. Obvious family problems are unacknowledged, unaddressed, and unchanged. 
lies are accepted as truth, and inappropriate behavior is often ignored. Number four, inconsistency. What was said one day is retracted the next. Expectations constantly change, and commitments are easily broken. Number five, indifference. Emotional support of family members is blatantly lacking and less challenged by outsiders. Children are valued for their devotion and contribution to the family system. Number six, instability. Emotions quickly fluctuate from happy to sad, pleased to angry. Change is constant and unforeseeable. Insecurity runs rampant among family members. Number seven, shame. Members serve as emotional punching bags for each other, with shame being the most effective way of hurting, manipulating, and obtaining compliance. And number eight, unpredictability. Keeping each other guessing is everyone's long suit. Therefore, what is allowed one day is forbidden the next, and what pleases someone today displeases them tomorrow. I know that was a lot, but did anything catch your attention or feel familiar? Again, maybe not in your own family, but maybe someone else's that you're in close contact with. If so, don't get down about it. This is information about something you cannot change if it's in the past, but you can change the future and how it may affect you and those around you moving forward. And that's where the Healthline article comes into play. And by the way, I'll put both and by the way, I'll put all articles that I reference here into the show notes. If you find that you have some toxicity in your family or in another area of your life, the good news is you have options. I'm paraphrasing these, by the way. Number one, you need to decide what you want and don't want from your relationship with that person so that your boundaries can be set. If you don't know, you can't tell that person, and then nothing will change. Number two, if you typically get sucked into family stuff that you don't want to be a part of anymore, start thinking about what you're going to do when it actually does come up. For instance, you can decide before you go to that family dinner which topics you'd rather not talk about. And you can let your family know your wishes. And if you're not listened to, and it happens anyway, you can leave or change the conversation altogether. Number three, make a decision beforehand of what you want to keep private and what you want to share, especially if you feel like it might be used to criticize, mock, or manipulate you. Number four, set boundaries. A simple, firm no can go a long way. Number five, realize you are the only person that you can change. It sucks to know that you can't fix everything or change someone, but it helps not to waste time on it. Number six, if you want to talk, make sure you have a big hand in the planning of the meeting. Empower yourself in any way you can so that the meeting has every chance to be productive. Number seven, get help. There is so much more in this article, especially about what to do if you do come to the conclusion that you must cut ties. So again, it's in the show notes. Now let's get to your personal relationships, both romantic and friendships. Have you ever been in a relationship that you knew you shouldn't be in? But ugh, you're already there. You put a lot of work and time into it, and I'm just going to stick it out. It's just more trouble to start all over. 
Have you ever been in a relationship that you're just holding out hope for that it'll get better with more time, right? Because I'm loyal. Have you ever been in a relationship that makes you feel a little crazy? I could keep going, but we are running out of time. So just notice if any of these resonated. Look, relationships are hard. They are hard because you are two different people trying to share one life, even if that life is only a few months long. And we bring in a lot each time we start a new relationship, like family issues we just talked about a minute ago, coping mechanisms, patterns, and previous relationship issues. Relationships are already hard, but do you know what makes them harder? When they're toxic. Before I start, just remember all of these probably do happen at some point in a relationship that is good. Again, it's whether it's constant, unchanging. It's whether or not these are the essence of your relationship. So please, please don't panic if you have had any of these happen before, even more than once. It doesn't automatically mean you need to get out of it. If you are in a relationship, please listen. If you've been in one, or you want to be in one again, please listen. The first one. If you keep score of mistakes, especially bringing up past mistakes, it's important to realize that you are not doing any favors for either of you. The way forward is to communicate in the moment and to see the argument through to the other side. Passive aggression. Remember that? It's basically hinting, but not actually saying anything outright in order to get your way. Being straightforward is the only way to have a healthy communication stream. It just is. And I'm not talking about straightforward without tact and empathy. Definitely have that. But manipulating in order to get your way is not the way. The third one is, if you expect each other to read minds, you'll find out you can't. So say what you need to say without assuming anything. Fourth one, sweeping everything under the rug. Ugh. Just like everything else we've talked about, communication, respectful and in the moment, is so vital to the health of a relationship. And by the way, the rug won't stay flat for long if this is your go-to. Next one. If you are continually using the status of your relationship as a way to get your way, or you feel like you always are left wondering if you're done, what kind of relationship is that? Next one is everyone feels jealous sometimes. Jealousy is normal. But if you use your jealousy as a way to control the other person and make your significant other or your friend pay for how you feel, that's not okay. Obviously, teasing and trying to make someone jealous is not okay either. If drama is the only way you seem to function, mm, think about that. And lastly, for our purposes, gaslighting. This is something you might have heard of, but you might not know too much about. Personally, I think it's one of the worst toxic habits in a relationship, in a family, in a workplace. Because it's the kind that truly does creep up on you if you're the recipient. Gaslighting, according to another amazing Healthline article, is the act of manipulating a person by forcing them to question their thoughts, memories, and the events occurring around them. Yeah. The term came from a play which was then made into a movie called Gaslight. 
where a husband convinces his wife she's going insane. Sounds like a great guy. In the interest of time, I'm going to put a link to the article in the show notes, and I so, so encourage you to read it, top to bottom. I don't mean to be such a downer today, y'all. And this might not be something you ever deal with, and that is fantastic. But before you let yourself off the hook and assume that you aren't dealing with any of it, not even in the tiniest bit, you should always consider examining. If for no other reason than having the information to be able to arm someone else with. We all deserve love and respect. We all deserve safety, especially in our most intimate relationships. The opposite of that starts somewhere. But you have the power to change it if you know what you're looking for. Next week, we'll talk about the heart. Before I go, I want to thank my dad, Dan Huff, because he created the music for this podcast and it's awesome. And I also want to remind you that I would love to see you join us for our mini course on getting unstuck coming up on Zoom. For more information on the time, head on over to howtomoveonandbehappy.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're getting something out of this and I know it will only get more interesting in our next step. Until then, I'm Ashlyn and this is Your Living Autopsy. And remember, today is done, but tomorrow is up for grabs. You got this.